Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. some personal issues like I didn't I again you spoke you mentioned this before I didn't like having a second space that I was having to share with this person that I was you know disconnecting from um and I had some pretty interesting ways of dealing with it I realized I needed to manage those emotions around that and um so what I would do is I would go in and I would rearrange the furniture each time I came in and then there were two closets in the apartment. And I, you know, I, I said this from the beginning, I wanted my own bedding. And so, that, so I brought in like two Rubbermaid tubs full of stuff that each time I would unpack and make the space mine. Again, rearranging the furniture, the bedding completely changed, um, adding a few little personal items. And, um, and the other thing I do, which really, I felt was important, but it kind of just also just made me laugh each time is every time I would step in, but when we were transitioning, I would sage the place. Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. With me today is KP. Hey, KP. Hey, Karen. It's good to be here. Today, KP and I are talking about a look at nesting during divorce, the pros and cons. So what is nesting to begin with? Uh, It's a somewhat new concept, I believe. Uh, Divorce, the, the, the... The thinking behind it is that divorce can be very stressful for the children, and especially um, early on as they even begin to adjust to the reality that their parents are breaking up. And so to ease the blow, some parents consider this thing called nesting, where the children remain in the marital residence and the parents rotate in and out on a set schedule. Is that a fair description, KP? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what happens. Um, some choose to do one other residence. And, and so meaning that the parents are, and that's probably the most common, will choose to share 
basically two residents. So they have their nesting residence where the children do not go back and forth. And then they have the main home where the parents will move out and out for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And so it's a really curious concept. So the idea is you keep the children in their home um, and and uh, KP has more experience with this than me. And we have probably varying opinions. And that's what we're going to share. And there's a lot of opinions on the Internet. I don't know that there's a lot of data and research, mm-hmm. um, but I think that most people would agree that there's the good, the bad and the the difficult about nesting. And so. If you're in the early stages, and especially if you have young children, this may be of interest to you. And so the idea is uh, the children don't go back and forth from one place to another, as they will later on post-divorce. They stay put in their bedroom with their backyard and their playroom and whatever else, the kitchen that they're comfortable with. And yeah, let's talk first of all, well, what does that mean for the parents? And so a schedule has to be negotiated. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then the other thing is uh, what you just said, which is where I find it gets really interesting. So, So you need a second residence to go to. So when you're not in the marital home, you have to be someplace. And one of the ways that people do this is they get an apartment or something, and they share that. So these two people who are about to divorce are actually sharing two living spaces that they both move in and out of. Um, And I've heard, I've had a client or two who also said, well, um, my soon-to-be ex had an apartment, but I went and stayed at my parents or, Mm -hmm. you know, someplace else. And so there's variations on where the parent stays. Um, I would imagine based on budget and, you know, circle of support. Uh, But the one thing that is definitive about nesting is the children stay in the nest. Right. Yes. They don't have to go back and forth. They have their own home. Their schedules basically say the same, their own beds their pets, all the, you know, all the comforts of home because <laughs> they're staying in the same space. Yes. Yeah. So uh, KP, you have some, um, you have actually somewhat extensive experience with this. So I'm going to toss it over to you to maybe share your own experience and uh, some of the the decisions that had to be made and um, some of the challenges that you might have faced. So, so yeah. take it away. Wow. Yeah, try to put that in just a few sentences. Um, so it was a positive for us, I think, overall. Um, the reason that we looked at it, it was a couple of things. One is getting used to the idea of divorce. Like it felt like this very easier first step beyond just deciding to divorce. Um, we um, had the apartment decided before the kids were told. Um, so I think that was helpful. Um, it was also introduced to us by, we had a collaborative divorce process. So we had a um, divorce coach, co- uh, co-parent therapist as part of that team. And this was a suggestion that he gave to us. And um, it, it made it easier in the sense we didn't have to decide who's moving out, right? It was an equal decision that we were going to take a part of this. Um, so that was, that was helpful early on. Now, yeah. How old were your children? 
So eight, uh, 14 and 16. Yeah. Okay. So you guys found a second apartment. You decided for, was it decided up front the period of time? How did that part of it work? So for us, um, the time frame came around because in our state, parents have to live in separate residences for one year before you're able to file for divorce. Um, so you have to have proof of residence that you are not staying in the same home. Wow. So our so we did sign up for one year. What state is that? Louisiana. Okay. This is good information. Yeah. That's another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So, so you guys knew that you were making this decision and you were in it for a year, mm -hmm. which is interesting yeah. because the little bit of research I did said the shorter the period of time, the better, because it becomes, it wears on people. So actually let's, let's side shelf that because I want to hear more about the experience and maybe that topic will just naturally weave itself back into our conversation. It's good instincts there, Karen. <laughs> yeah. So, so you guys talked about getting a divorce, you got an apartment and, um, and, and then what do you sit the children down and tell them about the divorce and the nesting, like how did that work for you? Yes, it was definitely part of the conversation. We, I mean, you know, being a coach and all, we wanted to look at all the different ways to do this exactly so, right? Um, as much as you can, there's no perfect way to do it. Um, but we did have a family therapist or that the children already knew. So we actually went into the, that therapist's office and had a conversation. And part of that conversation was, yes, we are, our, our marriage is complete. Our family structure will change. And um, this is what it's going to look like in the immediate sense. I can tell you what's going to stay the same for you, that you're going to stay in your own home and your dad and I will go back and forth in this apartment. So from that uh, appointment with the therapist where we had everyone able to speak, the kids had time to speak alone with the therapist, two chose two, one did not. And then we went to that apartment so that they could see, like have a, like an understanding and a context of what, again, what's possible in the next steps. It's a lot of information <laughs> right in that one time frame, but wow. that is what we chose to do. Yes. So the kids saw the apartment that they weren't going to be living in. Right. Yes. And I think they were pretty um, relieved that they were going to have <laughs> to go back. <laughs> I mean, which, there was a lot probably... of like... Yeah. They're like, this is the saddest place ever. I mean, because we hadn't done anything to it. It was and it was a furnished apartment. So, you know, you can imagine it's pretty like monastic and like not a lot in there at that time. And, you know, yeah. Right. Right. Which speaks to the conversation about the rub that ultimately happens, too, I'm sure. Yeah. So, OK, so you've got um, which is interesting. So your spread of children from single digits up to 16. So that's a mm -hmm. that's that's a, a nice spread of ages. And. Um, what, what are some of the issues that came up during your nesting? Um, so I had some personal issues. Like I didn't, I, again, you spoke, you mentioned this before. I didn't like having a second space that I was having to share with this person that I was, you know, disconnecting from. Um, and I had some pretty interesting ways of dealing with it. I realized I needed to manage those emotions around that. 
And um, so what I would do is I would go in and I would rearrange the furniture each time I came in. And then there were two closets in the apartment. And I, you know, I, I said this from the beginning, I wanted my own bedding. And so that, so I brought in like two Rubbermaid tubs full of stuff that each time I would unpack and make the space mine. Again, rearranging the furniture, the bedding completely changed, um, adding a few little personal items. And, um, and the other thing I do, which really I felt was important, but it kind of just also just made me laugh each time is every time I would step in, but when we were transitioning, I would sage the place. I would open the windows and I would do a whole little sage ceremony of like, okay, release the old energy. This is a calm and safe space. And just that was, yeah, again, exactly. I can see you laughing. It made me laugh. No, I love that. So good. Because yeah. it was like this ceremony of like, okay, I'm coming into this space. And now this is a sacred space for me to process and be. So, yeah. It it actually sounds like um, an energetic boundary in some ways. Yes, very much so. Yes. Yeah. And that was very important to me. I had hoped for a two bedroom um, and we came, I think it came down to this, this apartment and a two bedroom um, and I did lay, let Frank make the final decision because he was the one having the most resistance to the divorce process. And I was like, you know what, this is something I can release and let go. Um, it was a better location. I mean, there were some things to, to it as well, but I was like, okay, so these are some things that I was like, okay, I'm going to let this go. So again, you're constantly having talks with yourself <laughs> in this well- process. And the other thing that comes to mind is it's really early on and yet you have to have an agreement around yeah. time. So I, my divorce was three and a half years, God help me. And, yeah. um, and the agreement around time took three and a half years. Um, <laughs> how, do, <laughs> yeah. how does that work in the beginning to that's, that's a, for so many people, you know, the amount of time with your kids, the amount of time away from your kids. Yeah. So how was that to, to me, that doesn't fall on the easy side that falls on the difficult side of this. How was that for you guys? I mean, I'm really loving that question because I'm having a kind of a um, realization in this moment is because there was that legal parameter that we had to be in separate residence for a year. Some things were already moving us forward in that, right? So we had to come up with, we already knew that we had to be away from the children, right? Instead of having to negotiate that, it was already in there. So yes, of course, we had to figure out what that time frame was. And we ended up doing seven and seven. Um, I also did have the added benefit of that my office was in the home. So it wasn't like I didn't see my kids in those seven days. I would still be part of like their coming home from school part of the day. And then oh. I would leave. Yeah. So again, I'm having some realizations about why it worked. Have you been listening to our podcast for a while and still feel emotionally stuck and overwhelmed? If you desire to experience the ease and confidence we so often speak about, we have a program just for you. Our Broken to Brilliant group coaching program provides the emotional support and practical guidance needed to move forward 
with certainty and confidence. It's a safe, caring, and affordable space to heal from the pain of divorce and create a life you love. You can learn more about this 12-week program, which includes six 90-minute group sessions, powerful coaching that catapults you forward, and a community of peers there to support you. Just go to jbddivorcesupport.com backslash broken to brilliant and register today. We'll see you soon. It also speaks to me that I think part of the reason nesting worked for me is because I do have this belief that we we get to decide what that restructuring for our family looks like. And, you know, there's a lot of ideas, nesting, custody, otherwise, but that we really can decide what we want and what works for our individual family. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just to give our listeners a little bit of context, where would you fall in the spectrum of amicable to high conflict divorce? Like, what would you say... Um, 2020 hindsight. Yeah. I'm kind of laughing because I'm like, would we even, would we agree on this? Probably not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say there were definitely moments of high conflict, but for the most part, pretty amicable. That was really, you know, important. Yeah, and and I yeah. ask that because, as most of our listeners know, I I was very high conflict and mm-hmm. um, wanting to sleep in two different beds that he was sleeping in, trusting my personal belongings in a space that he was in for seven mm-hmm. days, uh, and even energetically. And Sage is certainly a great you know step, but that whole mm-hmm. like I think that. I I don't know. um, I don't know that I would have been able to do that as I'm thinking back. And of course, you know, my divorce is so many years ago now. um, I'm not so sure that that wouldn't have added to triggering conflict, more things to argue over, fight about. Mm -hmm. Um, And the interesting thing of you actually being in the marital home working during the day, Mm -hmm. um, like in a high conflict situation would be like, get your butt out of here. This is my time. And this kind of a thing. Yeah. So, um, so that's an interesting thing is whether it'd be curious, uh, hopefully data is being gathered, Mm -hmm. um, how that, how nesting works with couples that are along that spectrum of amicable to high conflict. Right. I mean, my gut says if you're in a high conflict, the only way if you would it can it, to look into nesting would be if you had other places to go, right? That there wasn't a second crossover right. situation. And, you know, much like my marriage, there were definitely things within the nesting that I tolerated. Right. There was still an expectation that I would handle a lot of things in the home. Like if something was not needed to be repaired, you know, different things like that. So um, I didn't do all the household chores, but I probably still did the most of them. Right. Like so. So, again, the tolerating of some things. And that is that was necessary. 
But I will say that was part of what was great that I did have this other space that I would go to because I had time to kind of decompress and reflect on that and to not have any responsibility because it was a furnished place. It was very small. That was one of the upsides of it is it didn't have a lot of, you know, chores or or, or needs. So I really was able to release for several hours, several days, several days in a row, those responsibilities and just really focus on me and grieve and self-care and all of those things. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about how your kids did. So my kids in the beginning were, it was great. Um, And I'm laughing because yesterday as I was going back through my notes and things, I asked my 16 year old, now 16 year old son, he was the 14 year old. And I said, Hey, I'm doing a podcast tomorrow um, to talk about nesting. And I was like, I think it'd be interesting if I could share your perspective. And he's like, Oh, it was terrible. And I was (laughs) like, really? (laughs) And I said, I didn't get that feeling from you, like in the time. And I said, and I said, well, that's so interesting. He's like, what is bad about it? And, um, I think is what we, we did learn, you know, a, a bit about the different dynamics between the parents and the different children. And the conflict between this child and their father did heat up through nesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but then I, I went on to with the conversation with him and I said, okay, well, the other alternative would have been that we would have already started custody, like going back and forth sooner. And and then when he had that reflection and we talked about that, he's like, well, I guess it wasn't so bad. He's like, I definitely prefer that we started with the nesting then. Oh, okay. And now, interestingly enough, he doesn't go back and forth. He's he he. The, our youngest one is the only one. Our daughter's in cho- in college. He's he doesn't. That that is something that came out of it that he decided that he decided and had a conversation with his father that it was in their best interest of their relationship that 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 he didn't go back and forth. That they would develop their relationship and connect in other ways. But that he doesn't live under dad's roof. He doesn't go right. and spend time living under dad's roof. So that's interesting. So a 14-year-old who, you know, 14-year-olds, they're, 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 they're so pack-oriented. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to be with mom or dad. I just want to be with people. Although, I guess, two years ago, nobody was with people. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's interesting that um, living under the roof with just dad created a rub that helped both of them realize that this is not going to benefit our parent-child mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was not quite that straight line, but yeah, the outcome is worth it. You know, the understanding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what about the other two kids? Any thoughts? So, um, so I think back, I think my youngest, it was great because he he did understand, especially because he did see me every day. I I was the one, either myself or his sister were the one who picked him up and he would see me every day. So that that worked out. Um there were times, and this is part of like when it started wearing, is that my daughter has a lovely habit. I'm more of a like, let's wake up early. So I want to be asleep um at a certain time. And she's a late night person. And so that's when she'd want to have all her conversations, right? Like whatever was going on in her life or other thing. And and there were a few times that she would call me and say, Mom, I just I just need to talk to you and I just or I just need a hug. And so I would, if I could, drive back 
we'd have a conversation on the front porch, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, and so it did result in the end that we came to an agreement. And again, this is that allowing of time and and seeing how things unfold with everyone that um, at the end of that time, I moved back in the house with the kids um, and and they didn't go they didn't go back and forth at that time yet either at the end of that year um, the, for the legal standing. Um, but that I would stay there until the end of when uh, my daughter went to uh, college. Um, we did have an extenuating circumstance. And like, that's why I'm kind of pausing. If you're hearing that pause in there is because we had an additional family member within our home that of course added another layer of curiousness and interest um, to our choice is that uh, Frank's father did live in the house with us. So we, I had um, a former father-in-law who lived in the house with the kids as we go back forth. So, you know, he was a consideration in our divorce process as well. Yeah. So if, if I were in the midst of doing a survey and asked you to highlight, um, I don't know, two or three good to great things, uh, two or three not so great things, and then your overall assessment of it, um, I'm hearing what I'm hearing is interesting is that um, it's almost as though, and maybe it's just as though, uh, the children at least felt that they had more control or agency because they experienced and then communicated with the parents about, okay, this is what's working and this is what's not. Whereas mm -hmm. usually it's like, okay. Shared parenting time is beginning. You're going to mom's for X amount of time. And and so this this does sound rather um, empowering in some ways mm -hmm. for your kids. Yeah. Yes. I believe that to be true. I do. Um, and I think that's always been probably the easiest agreement between Frank and I is like, uh, you know, checking in with the kids, um, even though that may not always come out in the same ending point, which probably feels like an obvious statement. But um, and so that having that child center thing, I think that was definitely helpful. Again, I think um, not having to choose who had to move out that that we felt like it was a little bit OK, we're both making the same sort of sacrifice or thing, you know, Um I wanted to say we're in it together, but that felt funny <laughs> as far as that part. Um, and again, that time um, was really so valuable. And what we learned about our family dynamics, you know, about um, what everybody needed. And, and it did allow time to check in with each kids. And, and, and my kids were very comfortable speaking up about those things. And, um, and that was helpful. That was very helpful. So what would you say were the hardest parts? The hardest parts were um, definitely like feeling like I didn't have a place where I could fully let down my guard. Like you mentioned about your personal things in the other apartment. You know, I, I definitely did. I mean, Carrie will be very happy to hear. I did tons of journaling. So I was like, always, <laughs> I was like, you know, I was always journaling and writing notes. And I, you know, I, I always had like, okay, I have to make sure that's in my bag, right? I have to make sure that's with me on my person 
because yep. that would have felt incredible. I mean, so vulnerable for anyone to read, but particularly, you know, him. Right. And so um, having those really personal things that I did carry back and forth with me and I didn't feel like I could leave in any place because, you know, um, the other part was just having agreements around um, the other space, meaning that when it was his week or my week, we did not enter the other space. If if you forgot something, then you would have to ask the other person. And, um, and so that was really important. And just having to tweak those agreements along the way, as far as like what's working. And so it's like, you are continuously having those negotiations, but that would have been true. Just if we had gone from, you know, kids had gone different houses, we still would have had tweaks and learned things. Um, so I think that's probably the hardest part is just not having a space that was felt totally mine. And then you guys did this for a long time. We did. So one of the things that I was reading, I was reading this this article in preparation, and uh, it says, um, uh, I'm trying to to reference the company who did it, which I'm having a hard time finding it. But it says here that timing wise, um, it says the shortest amount of time, the better. It says the shortest period of time possible nesting really can work well from the time the divorce is filed until temporary order orders hearing is held. It's when couples get to that three-month mark and beyond when nesting can become, and they're using the term, a nightmare for parents. Now, everyone has an opinion. It's just a single article with an opinion. But any thoughts on that? Well, I would would say... That seems to be the general when as just as you said, and you're looking for data and me researching for this, because I wanted to get, like, yes, I want to share my experience, but like, oh, let me give you whatever... It, it that seems to be very common. Um, but I feel like, um, gosh, nobody's divorce has like a three month timeline. Yeah, like they're so different. Everyone's experience there. There's I don't know, even the simplest divorces that go through like exactly the whatever ideal timeline is or whatever the structure is. So my that's my thought is um who I mean the three month timeline, three months. I feel like we were just kind of getting into our stride of it. But yeah, I, I guess an additional comment to that. I again going back to the kids. I feel like the kids were ready and understood that we were both going to still be engaged in their life, right? Like it helped them come to an even greater acceptance of the divorce. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, as I'm listening to you, I can hear how it's a bridge from, mm-hmm. you know, the ha- the happy family um, unit to um, mom and dad under two separate roofs, and and I would imagine that it gives opportunity to discuss that marital residence. Are we selling it? Are you taking it? Am I taking it? Mm-hmm. Um, what are we doing? And then I'm just curious. So you had seven days on, seven days off. Uh, Did that change when you stopped nesting? Did you have a completely different shared parenting schedule once the nesting stopped? 
So we had a time in between where that that there wasn't really any overnights because Frank decided he did want his own space and his own apartment. And he never felt like it was a comfortable space for the kids. Um, He's like, why would they want to go over there? And he felt more comfortable just spending his parenting time more um, structured in like planning, planned outings, right? Dinner during the week or, and then different things on the weekends. Wow. So they actually, so they went from mom and dad under the same roof to either I'm living with mom or I'm living with dad to I'm living with mom completely and seeing dad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think for those listening, it's like, you know, we could sit here, we could have a panel of six people and, you know, six completely different scenarios. And so this Mm -hmm. is not an episode to say, you know, nesting's the bomb or don't do nesting. Like we're mm-hmm. just, we're just sharing that nesting is this thing. I don't know when it started. Um, I started divorce coaching in 2010 and it was really, really new then. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's this, it's this other option that's on the table for you. And if you were, trying to figure out uh how to handle your children in a in a more tiered approach as you head toward two separate households it it may be worth considering um are there any points that so in the pros the transition is slower Um, Mm -hmm. It's very child centric. Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, the article I was reading was saying they get to, you know, they're in their room, which is decorated a certain way. They're in their own bed. If there's a, a, you know, a a TV room or or a backyard, you know, with with uh, with their bike in the garage. And so they have like they're totally not experiencing a change right away. Now, my kids didn't experience a change right away, but what they did experience is two people living under one roof and the roof about to blow off on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. And so the nice thing about nesting is uh, you were amicable, but even um, that that whole idea that, um, that the two of you weren't in the same space with your kids very often is what I'm hearing. Yes. No. And I think that was, I think that was a welcome point for the kids, you know, that that it helped them. It also helped us like learn, like, what is it going to look like to be on our single parent, right? To know what is really going to be expected. Right. So is there anything else on the pros that you would list before we just take a look at um, some of the cons that you had um, highlighted? Uh, the only thing I guess I would add is that it does kind of simplify the finances because, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning, but because you are just, you just need a space for one adult. You don't need a space where every kid has a room for their bed or their pets. And so, especially if you do the one or if you have friends that are, allow it, then, you know, that it's not as huge of an expense potentially as going ahead and getting another residence in the back right. and forth. Yeah. Right. So in the short term, you've got like a stepping stone and and a less yeah. expensive one. That makes a lot right. of sense. Yeah. And then um, on the cons, I mean, what was it like to pack up and go to another apartment or pack up and go back with the kids? That's for 12 months. What was that like for you? Like, um. 
I mean, sometimes it was exciting. I mean, in the sense like, you know, like, okay, like I mentioned before, it's like knowing that there, that I wasn't going to have to do the bedtime routines, right? There, that was some, there was some freedom in that and just like, mm-hmm. okay, I really can just go and have cereal for dinner. I don't have to make dinner. I don't have to clean a kitchen, right? Those everyday tasks that, um, you know, we can happily do. And sometimes they can feel burdened, especially when you're already dealing with so much emotionally and financially and, you know, talking to lawyers and whatever, you know, like it's nice to release some of that for a little while. Yeah. So you're like single and kid free every other week, um, which also is quite a taste of um, what may be coming if there's, you know, equal shared parenting down the road. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Again, it it did. It does get tiring because you're like, okay, am I going to. Oh, I forgot that those pairs of shoes. Right. You know, I had the whole outfit for the meeting I have tomorrow, but I forgot the shoes. Right. So, you know, there's those things. I hear you. It can be annoying. (laughs) And then what about like, I just think about my situation. I'm thinking I would I would pull into the one bedroom apartment and um, and it would I I would I would expect to see a complete mess. Like I I, so for me, just thinking about it, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be cleaning up. I'm going to be walking in the door and cleaning up every other week. Mm which would be enough when I was on my last nerve to, um, to do something stupid. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. There were definitely times I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I clean the bathroom before I leave, like not just tidy it. Right. There was definitely a lot of, it was tidy, but not necessarily clean. Um, and again, so that came back to some of that tolerating, But I did. But every time I found myself kind of in those things, I would start a new ritual or a new thing. So when speaking to that one, I would go I would plan like early in the day that I would go to the apartment, do my sage ritual, clean everything up and then go about my day and come back at night. So I didn't have to do it like at the end of my day. Oh, I like that. Okay, okay. so you really worked. So for the cons, you really. did some brilliant workarounds, it sounds like. I did. I mean, it was very conscious, like, okay, I, I need this to work for my kids. And also I felt enough of the relief of having whatever the amount of time that was just to myself, to grieve, to just have total quiet, to listen to whatever music I wanted or yeah. watch TV, go to bed at 7.30, whatever, <laughs> you know, right. stay up all night and watch Netflix, like all the things... Um, that I did find enough, like I felt some fulfillment in that as well. And what's really interesting about that is, you know, we coach people when they're finally getting divorced and it's like, now you're going to have the weekend without the kids. What are you going to do? But you and your, and your ex got to experience that right from the beginning. Yep. So one year in when the divorce was final, um, the kids were used to the new routine. You were used to your time. And yeah. so that's an interesting uh, positive as well. Yeah. I don't think my kids have any idea of when it was final. Legally. Wow. Right? <laughs> yeah. And are you still in the house? Are you still in the marital residence? I am. I am. That is going to change. Um, but yes, I am. So that's been interesting. So- and that. That got extended too, because because of the father-in-law living in the house, there was an agreement that, 
I mean, we're, we're, it feels like we're constantly transitioning and coming up with new plans, which can be frustrating, but also, okay, we get to, we get to check in with everyone. <laughs> so like I try to find that, that like, okay, well, it's, there, there are these points of life that just give these natural, like, let's check in and see what's working and not working. Um, so yes, so we will be selling this and, um, Frank in the, in the, in the meantime has bought an own home. He doesn't have an apartment. He decided he wanted that. And, uh, the, my father-in-law passed away. So, um, again, that was a different time thing. So initially they were both are going to live in the house. So then the kids wouldn't have had to give up the house. So now that's a new thing that we're going through. And, and so from the time you and your ex decided that you were going to end your marriage until now, it sounds like it was two or three years at least where the kids remained in their bedrooms, mm-hmm. in their home. And so I can see the the beauty of, of that piece of it, that, right. that they really had very little um, interruption in, in their day-to-day living experience, although dad's not obviously around as much. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, any last uh, words of wisdom or suggestions for our listeners around this topic of nesting? Um, I think I'll just repeat what I say, you know, that part about don't, you're, you're probably not going to find anyone that's going to say, try it. <laughs> you just, <laughs> because I, I, I mean, I even laughed like when I was in a meeting with our other two coaches, Carrie and um, Rachel, they're like, oh, what are you going to do the next podcast on? They're like nesting. You're like, oh, what are you going to say? And they both are like, don't do it. You know, like it was a joke, <laughs> thing, you know, like we had a good <laughs> laugh about it. And um and and as Karen, as you found, is looking at it, there's really not a whole lot that says go for it, do it. This really works. Um, and it's just one of those things in in the divorce process, really giving yourself permission to to play with it, see what works for your family. Yeah. Right? You can just really check in with yourself. That's so important. And I would imagine even having the conversation, having the conversation with your soon-to-be ex, having the conversation if he or she is even mildly open to it with the kids and just taking everyone's temperature, that in and of itself brings so much value regardless of what you end up doing. Um, I have um, also always thought nesting was a little bit odd. Um, And yet you really did a lovely job of shedding some light on the positives and the possibility. And so for those of you listening, if this is the, you know, if you're in those early stages and you're trying to figure out the next step, um, Explore it and do your own research and, uh, you know, certainly feel free to reach out to KP um, and get some coaching around it. And uh, and and hopefully it regardless of what your ultimate decision is, it's going to help you moving along the path. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. So that's it. That's what we have to say on nesting. And we will be back again real soon with another episode of JBD Team Talks. Until then, you take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, KP. Thanks, Karen.
Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.